Welcome to the Natural Health for People and Pets podcast, a show that aims to empower you with the knowledge and tools needed to take control of your own health and well-being, as well as providing health-promoting strategies for the dogs in your life. The world of health and nutrition can be overwhelming, so what better way to understand what works and what doesn't, what's evidence-based and what's not, than to hear it from someone in the know? So, please welcome your host of the show, accredited naturopath and nutritionist, Narelle Cook. Welcome back to Natural Health for People and Pets. I'm co-host of the show, Glenn Cook, but I'm going to introduce the host of the show, Narelle Cook. Hello, everyone. Great to be back. It's been a while. I know. It's just that time of year, isn't it, where Mm -hmm. we get busy. I mean, you're crazy, flat out busy. I've been busy working on lots of projects, which we'll talk about shortly. Yes. What was the last episode we did, CBD Vets? Yeah, and that was really well received. So that was great. I got a lot of feedback quite a few inquiries from people just wanting to know a bit more about the process and I guess just being a bit hesitant to reach out. But CBD Vets Australia are so easy to communicate with and talk with and let them know what your dog's problem is and they'll certainly help you out. I believe that since we've had Opie on it, which is Eggy, our old French bulldog, I believe that I've seen an improvement in his behaviour. He seems to be not as stiff and tense in the rear end as he used to be. Absolutely. I've definitely noticed his behavior has improved a lot. Opie used to be just such a tense dog. Mm. It's hard to explain. He's fun loving, but he's kind of... Neurotic? Yeah, he's a little neurotic and a little potato-y. That's not the industry (laughs) term to explain it, but he is a full potato. But since he's been on the CBD product, not only has he relaxed, the tension in his back end has relaxed as well. Like he's rolling over on his back now and letting you rub his tummy, which he never did before. He's yeah. always very guarded about it, but suddenly uh, there is a nice relaxed way about him at the moment. Yeah, I've never seen him so chilled. Particularly, I notice it most in the evenings when I'm just sort of sitting with my laptop and he's on the sort of the lounge room floor and he's just, yeah, literally lying on his back or on his side, which sounds like a really normal dog behaviour, but not for OP previously. Maybe um, we got a little bit of THC mixed in ours. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever I know, is I know CBD vets would not do something like that. They wouldn't. Whatever is in there, it's working. It's so. working. It's having a good effect. So thumbs up for the CBD product from CBD vets. We're not sponsored by them, so it's not an endorsement or anything. It's just that it works. And as we said on this show, we're all about the no BS in products mm. because there's a lot of stuff out on the market, which is just a lot of BS. It's a nice label with a big gimmick behind it. And uh, fortunately, this product is not that. It does work. We have seen results. Narelle's the scientist in our family. I'm not, but I can observe changes in behavior. I'm a professional dog trainer and behaviorist. I have been for a long time now, so I can certainly see changes in dog behavior very quickly. I'm not so close to him that I can't see a change in his behavior. The reason we put him on it is because he needed it. He was showing signs of rear end apathy. And just general degeneration of mm. the spine. I mean, it comes with the breed, unfortunately. Most French bulldogs, I mean, yes, it works, but I guess... It- probably not more importantly, but as importantly, the quality. So, you know, I'm all about quality products Mm. and not just giving our dogs or any of our animals second grade supplements. So if you've got a dog and you're not sure if CBD is the right thing for them or not, like I said, reach out, ask CBD vets directly and they will let you know. Yep. Now we did say that CBD vets are not a sponsor, but we do have sponsors of the show and we'd like to introduce them. Narelle, who's our sponsors? As always, our amazing sponsors. Our first sponsor is Big Dog Pet Foods. So if you're not familiar with Big Dog Pet Foods, they are an Australian company that have been manufacturing raw pet foods for just over 20 years now. So long, long before raw food feeding became a fad. So really, I consider them absolutely the leaders and the experts in their field. And some of the key points of difference with Big Dog as compared to some of the other pet food companies on the market is that Big Dog, they only use human grade ingredients in their patties. There's nothing synthetic, artificial, and they offer complete transparency in everything they do, which talking quality, that's really important, particularly when it comes to pet foods, because if no one's looked into the behind the scenes of what goes into some pet foods, you'd be just horrified. That's why it's so important to me in what I feed my dogs and what I recommend is transparency and Mm. openness about the ingredients. So I love it's human grade, but I I love that they also show us what they put in there as well. So we've got Kay Frost and Brittany Young to thank for getting us onto the big dog products. Gee, that was a while ago now. I'd forgotten that that was the initial Yeah, that was our introduction to it from Kay when we went and did the seminar down in Melbourne together. 
Yeah. And also Brittany, because she'd been doing a lot of research in the market and she put her mm. videos up of her touring the factory and so forth. So a lot of really good stuff came out of that. And eventually it persuaded us to try it. And we're glad we did because it's a staple product in our house now. You don't realise also that the big dog patties are nutritionally complete and balanced. Mm. So if your vet is potentially giving you a hard time about raw food feeding not being nutritionally complete and balanced, big dog is. So you can sort of just pass that along if they question you. Big dog also have a great variety of different protein types. So really there's something to suit every dog in terms of their health and their taste buds. So if you haven't already, jump onto their website, bigdogpetfoods.com. Check out their resource center. It's full of articles, guides, frequently asked questions, all on raw feeding, natural diets, general health and nutrition for dogs and cats. I tend to focus on dogs when I talk about big dog, but they do have information on cats and they've got a cat raw patty as well. So like their Facebook page, get on their Instagram page, Big Dog Pet Foods. Okay, who's next? Our next sponsor is Bell & Bone. So like Big Dog, Bell & Bone are an Australian company because, I mean, we love to support local businesses mm. where we can. And what I love about the backstory for Bell & Bone, and I'll have to get the founder on the show and interview her, is she literally created Bell & Bone because she just wasn't satisfied with the quality of the treats that were available for her own dog. So what's the saying that you like see a... See a need, fill a need. So that's how Bell & Bone came about. So they make a range of dental sticks. They do collagen sticks, superfood treats, freeze-dried treats. They only use quality ingredients. They do also provide complete transparency when it comes to what they put in their products. All of the ingredients are natural. They're healthy, which is always great to see. And with the dental sticks in particular, like there's so many dental sticks on the market. And if you look at the – if anyone ever bothers to turn the packet over and read the ingredients – Often the first ingredient is something like wheat flour and then like glycerin. The dental sticks with Ballonbone, they actually have been proven to not only freshen the dog's breath, but more importantly, to fight plaque and tartar. And that's because they actually contain two active ingredients that, as I said, have been clinically shown to do that. So if you haven't tried the dental sticks, you can get them at any leading pet food store around the country. So have a look at that. We've been using their kangaroo treats for ladybugs since she needed a low-fat diet at the moment. Mm -hmm. All the dogs love them, so check out bellandbone.com.au. Now, they do have a coupon code for listeners of the show. To get 20% off the Bell & Bone range, you need to enter ladybug. Ladybug. At checkout. Isn't that lovely? Not only are they giving a generous 20% off, but they're also using ladybug as their code. I know. It makes me smile every every Mm. time I see it. Yep. So thank you to Big Dog Pet Foods. Thank you to Bell & Bone for sponsoring our show. Okay, just before we go on to that, I'm just going to touch wood and just say that as a quick ladybug update, that's Ladybug now barking at me because I've just tapped on the door. Ladybug's doing really, really well at the moment. That's why I want to touch wood. She's been going great. She's had lots of energy. She's been enthusiastic, running around, playing chasing lizards. So gradual improvement with Ladybug as well. And I've got a lot of thanks to Narelle for doing that, for researching her diet. It was a lot of work for both of us, but Narelle put in the lion's share of it and it's paying off in dividends now. I mean, there's been a lot of close calls with Ladybug. She certainly puts us through her paces, but Mm. just under two years ago, that was almost the end of her. We've had a few minor scares in between or a few major scares, I should say, but so far so good. Yeah, and the reason we bring that up is we do get a lot of just inquiries. People, you know, will message me or email me just to see how she's going. People really have been following the Ladybug story. Yep, considering we did a full episode on her and spoke about... The, two episodes. Yeah, two episodes of mm. all the drama that she's caused us and emptied out our bank account. Yeah, um, she's up to life. What? Uh, I think five. She's, yeah, life five. <laughs> if she was a cat with nine lives, she's up to number she, five. Yep. Okay, so moving on, we've got some exciting news. It's exciting for both of us, especially for Narelle, because what she's just about to tell you has been 18 months in the making. I've been banished from rooms and I've been banished (laughs) from talking and all sorts of things while she's been madly studying like a mad scientist, researching everything, pretty much trashing our internet capability on searching every single website (laughs) she could look at. Because she's a scientist and she's spent most of her life studying and researching and finding out factual information about everything she can. And especially if I'm wrong, she loves to point that out to me as well and bring the computer in to show me and underline where I'm wrong. Don't they say it's a fine line between madness and genius? (laughs) You better stop talking me up. (laughs) I think so. Yeah. So without further ado, I'm going to let Narelle tell you about the launch of her new product. 
Yes, I've been working on this for 18 months from a physical, practical, get into it perspective, but this has been in my mind for probably years. Mm, It has been years. It's literally been years and years. Mm. And I think the spark behind most of it was Ladybug's dilemma. True. It wasn't the only spark, but it was the- Catalyst. Yeah, it was the catalyst that lit the fuse. I will soon be launching a new supplement range for dogs called Canine Suticles. Mm -hmm. I guess my vision and behind Canine Suticles is as a clinical naturopath, you know, for a lot of years now, I've had access to the highest quality practitioner-only supplements for my human clients. And since I've moved into animal health and nutrition, I've just been using those human grade practitioner products for my dog clients as well. But you need to be careful because any human product that you're using for dogs, one, you need to understand how to dose it down safely and appropriately. Mm -hmm. But two, you always need to be checking the excipients. So the excipients are those ingredients that for the most part, aren't required to be listed on a label. But some of those excipients can be toxic for dogs. Xylitol is a classic example Mm. of that. That's an alcohol sugar, right? Xylitol? Sugar alcohol. Sugar alcohol, yeah. So I've always wanted to find and use a really high human quality supplement range for dogs. You know, there actually isn't, I mean, there's a lot of dog supplements out there, but it's a poorly regulated industry. Mm. You do need to do your due diligence behind the companies that are, selling supplements for your dogs because there are a lot of shortcuts that can be taken that you just may not be aware of. Cheaper to manufacture, higher profits. I guess my vision was to create a range for dogs that only uses human grade ingredients, Mm. either human food grade or human pharmaceutical grade. So a lot of the ingredients are pharmaceutical grade and that's manufactured in human grade facilities. That was sort of the vision I had in my head and it's taken, it's taken a long time. The range will be something that I trust because I've created, I know everything in it, but you know, that people can trust is it's Australian made, it's Australian owned. I must say you can't always get Australian ingredients. The majority of our ingredients are sourced from Australia, but there are certain pharmaceutical ingredients that do need to be brought in from overseas, but that will be all transparent on the labels and the information. When you say pharmaceutical, you mean as a natural product? Yes, all natural. As a naturopath, I'm not a vet. I can't create pharmaceutical products in the true sense of like drugs, Mm. but certain natural compounds can still be classified as like pharmaceutical grade. Yep. It's just about quality in the the sense of the way that that word's being used. Mm -hmm. So I guess from my point of view, when I've been sitting with you and you've been showing me what you're doing, because I've had the whole range explained to me, I've had the color coding explained to me, I've had the marketing explained to me, the vision and everything that you wanted to do. From the perspective that I guess that I see is that when we were talking before, when you said see a need, fill a need, Mm. it's not like there aren't products on the market. It's not like there aren't supplements on the market. But what you wanted to do was create a leading edge of as much as possible, a home source product that was as high grade as you could possibly find Mm. and give people the best fighting chance when they're supplementing their dogs. And that's what we wanted to do. Based on our journey, there were a lot of things that were very hit and miss. And I mean, very miss in a lot of ways for Ladybug. Mm. This was birthed from that necessity that we were just turning up empty handed with a lot of products that we're looking at that were nice marketing. And I appreciate the marketing, but the product itself fell very short from where it needed to be. Mm. So when I guess you were looking at it, and I know you're being you're a very modest person and you don't like talking about yourself and you're marketing very much. Brilliant scientist, not a great marketer. <laughs> but your product, from what I know and what I'm looking at, it's literally going to set a new bar in the pet care section for people who are looking for better forms of supplement and pet nutrition for their pets. It's very exciting. I'm very proud of you for the effort you've done. We've also had some people that have been and who wish to remain anonymous along the side, but have been very generous in their support and their time and effort in reviewing products, helping us everything that we want to do. We're just bringing it all together. Exactly. This ended up being far more work, (laughs) far more effort, just much more involved than I ever had anticipated because- Most people will know I've got my liquid herbs that I sell currently Mm. and um, that was quite simple to sort of put together and pop those on my website. This is a whole nother level of complication and just everything involved. And I mean, I'm launching, so I'll be launching on Australia Day. So definitely watch social media for some specials that you'll be able to take advantage of for the launch on Australia Day, which is the 26th of January. Mm -hmm. I'm launching with 16 products, but I had a whole list. Like I could have launched with twice that. But it's really 
it's a lot more involved when you start using external manufacturing facilities and, you know, there's minimum order quantities and things like that. So that sort of took me by surprise and was a bit to work around. And it's very expensive. Very expensive. So the more people buy caninesceuticals, the more I will be able to develop more products and launch more products to target specifically more health problems. Mm. So that will continue to happen over time. There'll always be new products coming out because I do, I've got like in my brain and in an Excel spreadsheet, I have so many product concepts ready to go. Ready to go. But I think pet parents are going to be very happy with the range that you've got on offer and the absolute fantastic quality around it. I mean, I wouldn't put my name to it or talk about it if I knew you hadn't done the very best job that you possibly could. And considering all the amount of time you've spent and the struggles that you've been through to resource some of the best product on the market at the moment, I think this is going to be something that pet parents are going to be really happy to get behind and use on their dogs. Yeah, so because I had so many product concepts and from budget restraints, I could only launch with a certain number. The ones I've picked to start with really are the ones that I've used on my own dogs for the last few years Mm -hmm. from the human supplement world. So these are my favourites and the products that I find super effective for their purpose. That's what we're going with. So as of Australia Day 2022, Mm. you will be able to find the website, which is? Mm au. Don't go there yet. You'll get a a blank holding page, um, but that is coming soon. Yep. So you'll be able to go there, order direct, and it'll be shipped with love directly from Narelle. Lots of love. Lots of love. Please support my new venture. Without further ado and more shameless promotion, let's talk about our topic of the day. Today's a little bit different. I'm going to talk about hair tissue mineral analysis. And going forward, I'm going to call that HTMA because it's easier. So HTMA is an analytical test that measures the mineral composition of hair. Mm-hmm. There's still a bit of controversy around the validity of the test, and it does depend a lot on like the quality of the hair sample and techniques used by the various labs to analyse it. And look, I'll admit, I used to be a major sceptic myself with hair tissue mineral analysis, but the more I've used it, the results, they just make sense in terms of the clinical picture that either my human or doggy clients are presenting with and what I'm seeing in the results Mm -hmm. on paper. A lot of integrative GPs and integrative vets incorporate HTMA as just another clinical screening tool. From what I've seen, it's particularly popular with use on horses. I do want to stress, though, like at the outset, that HTMA is a screening tool only. It doesn't diagnose disease. So, you know, I would never look at the results and say to someone, you know, whether it's a human or a dog client, oh, you know, you've got liver disease or you've got thyroid disease or atopic dermatitis or or whatever it is. And if anyone is telling you that based on HTMA test results, then that is completely inappropriate. And for the most part, unless they're a vet or a medical doctor outside the scope of their practice. So really important that people understand that it's not a diagnostic tool. It's a screening tool that's just like another tool in your toolkit. A fair way to say that it could be indicating that you're heading in that direction and that you need further tests. Yeah. So that's the thing. A properly interpreted HTMA can help to reveal, because it's revealing, you know, various mineral imbalances, like it may indicate a tendency for a various health condition or help to explain symptoms that are being experienced by Mm -hmm. someone. So it's just shedding light on everything. Yeah, that makes sense. A lot of people know that minerals are good for them. Not everyone may understand that some minerals can be toxic. So even our so-called good minerals, you know, something like zinc or copper, I mean, they can really cause problems if they're present in the body in the wrong amounts Mm. or even in the wrong ratios. And the reason for this is our minerals, they all have this complex interaction with each other. So if you've got excess intake of one mineral, that can decrease the absorption of another mineral. A common example, if there's too high an intake of calcium, that can decrease the body's ability to absorb zinc. If someone's consuming too much zinc, that can decrease copper absorption. And so like it's this loss of what we call homeostatic equilibrium between these nutrients that then can lead to the adverse health effects. And we need to remember that minerals are, it sounds corny, but minerals are the spark plugs of life. So they're involved in almost all enzyme reactions going on in the body. And without enzyme activity, I think we touched on this when we're talking about digestive enzymes, like life literally can't exist. They're just involved in thousands of biochemical reactions that control metabolism, digestion, the regeneration of body tissues. We need minerals 
for structural support in bones and teeth to maintain the body's pH, water balance, nerve activity, muscle contractions, energy production. So minerals are fundamental, like we need minerals. So HTMA is all about shedding some light on the mineral balance in the body. When it comes to the foundations of health, having adequate mineral intake and having the ideal mineral ratios to support all of those metabolic processes is really important. So when we're talking about, I've just said how important it is that we have the right levels of minerals and the right ratios of minerals. Mm -hmm. So before we jump into how HTMA works, some common causes of mineral imbalances in the body, I thought we'd just touch on a few. So stress, stress is huge for depleting minerals from the body, particularly things like magnesium and zinc. And I know I have talked about this before and we'll talk about it a little bit further in the show, that when someone or, you know, a human or a dog is in that sympathetic dominant nervous system state and all of those biochemical processes in the body, particularly the catecholamine pathway, which is producing our dopamine and our adrenaline, when that's all upregulated because someone's stressed and running on adrenaline, those essential nutrient cofactors that are needed for that pathway to operate they're getting depleted at a more rapid rate as well. So if someone's diet is lacking and not repleting those nutrients that are being lost at a faster rate, then that will over time lead to suboptimal levels in the body. Mm -hmm. Minerals have a certain shape and they fit into it. It's like a lock and key Mm -hmm. concept in the body. So you you might have a binding site on a cell where, where the mineral binds. So some of the toxic metals and chemicals actually look similar to our beneficial minerals. So they can then sneak in and bind to one of those receptors and get taken up into the body in place of the beneficial one. If someone's in an environment where there is a toxic burden, that can lead to a depletion in the beneficial minerals. If someone's, you know, chronic viral and bacterial infections, they're just a subtle stress on the body that again can deplete minerals. Our food chain is pretty poor. I just downloaded the paper again the other day. Have we spoken about on the show? Remember that paper? I think I was on the canine paradigm being interviewed when I was talking about nutrient depletions in food and over the last like 50 yeah, years. Yeah, I think that was a canine paradigm. It was data from the US and it just, the percentage decrease in vitamins and minerals in the food that we're consuming now would just blow your mind. It was just crazy how depleted our foods are. And that's just because of intense agricultural practices and all the fertilizers and chemicals they're using on our food. Interesting you talk about that and just slightly off topic, but I was just watching a documentary the other day where they were talking about farmers, I think in the Midwest, in where the food bowl of the United States is. Mm. I might be out of whack there, so forgive me if I've got the area location wrong. But they were talking about some of the farmers have, through multiple generations, have literally just leached everything out of the soil. Mm. One of the farmers was showing how he does like a cross species to introduce worms and bugs back into the soil again because he went to his neighbor's place who refuses to do it, who works on the traditions of what they were doing with turning the soil and crop spraying everything. And he dug a shovel in and he was digging down in several locations and saying, there's nothing in here. This is just depleted soil. And he goes, but when you come over to my place, which he did, he just walked over the fence and he put the shovel in the ground and he showed all of the worms and the species and how many different roots and everything. And he said, this is what the soil should look like. And he said, and it's easy to do. You've just got to trust that you can break the practice of not having to spray and having to leach the soil of everything. So Mm. I know you've talked about that before. And I think our old friend, Dean Mathers, who was a Mm. naturopath, he used to talk to me about that sort of thing as well, how soils have just been completely robbed of the nutrition and the minerals that they actually need. Same thing with water as well, you know, which is why we have a remineralizer that we use for our water source. Like Mm. we've got a filter that takes out all the fluoride and rust out of it. And we've also, we do like a three-stage filter and remineralization of our water. And it's lovely to taste when you taste the water at the end. Yeah, that was actually my last point on what can cause mineral imbalances in the body is, is drinking water because our tap water can often contain a lot of, you know, chlorine, aluminium, fluoride, depending on where you live. Rust. So much <laughs> Copper rust. and lead. It doesn't matter where you live. Technically in Sydney, Australia, we have one of the cleanest tap waters in the world. You know, Melbourne and Sydney, they, you know, that's what they say, which may be true, but then it depends on the quality of your pipes at your end as well. So even though I'm in Sydney, every morning I have to run my kitchen tap for a good minute until it starts to run clear. And that's because the property we're on has really old pipes 
that are just leaching lead by the looks of it mm. <laughs> into the water. So even though you might think, oh, we're in Sydney, you know, you should be able to drink the water. It really depends on your individual property as well. But yeah, water is super important. It is. So if we look at how HTMA works as a test, so hair is basically a body tissue made up of mostly dead keratinized cells that have fused together. Everyone knows like the shaft of the hair is that portion that projects from the skin surface, but the root of the hair, which is below the surface, it contains all these living, what they're called matrix cells. And that's what the hair grows from. So it's these matrix cells that are exposed to the metabolic environment in the body. You know, that includes the circulating blood, lymph, extracellular fluids. And because these cells depend on that blood supply for nourishment and growth, as they grow and divide, they actually, you know, they're taking up substances present in the body fluids during that process. And once they've broken through the surface and they harden, then all of those nutrients that were in the the fluids that were supporting the growth, they get locked into the hair shaft and that creates a permanent record of metabolic activity and exposure to whether it's beneficial minerals or toxic elements. And I guess the way I like to think of it is like trees. Mm-hmm. We all know you can count the age of a tree. By the rings. By the rings. Mm. But, you know, there's so much more that a cross-section of a tree can tell us. Other than age, it can inform about the weather at the time, any stresses that the tree was experiencing at the time, and that gets locked in to Mm. that moment of growth. I find that's the easiest way to explain HTMA. It was whatever was happening in the body at that time just gets locked in to that hair shaft, and then we can go back and get a snapshot of what was happening in the body at that time. Okay. So a lot of people will also say, well, why don't you just get a blood test? Yep. And I say, why not both? What's that taco ad? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The old El Paso, Mm. I think. I mean, the good thing about HTMA is it's not invasive. It's easy to take the sample, particularly, you know, when we're dealing with dogs. And the amount of information you get, it is really cost effective. I wouldn't not do bloods. I wouldn't do HTMA instead of blood tests. I think both is the perfect scenario because blood test results are absolutely fundamentally important. And I don't think I've had a single human client that I haven't requested blood tests for them. And for dogs, you know, if I can get blood tests, even better. But think about it, like blood is literally a snapshot of what is happening in the body that one moment in time that the blood was drawn. That's really important, but it doesn't give us the bigger picture overview of what might be happening in the body. There are blood tests that can do that. So let me give an example compared to HTMA. So let's say you went to get a blood test and your doctor just tested you uh, your blood glucose levels but you happen to go there on a day where, or a time during the day where your blood glucose level at that moment that the blood was drawn was lower than it normally was. Your doctor might see your results and go, ah, you're fine. Everything's healthy. But there's another test called hemoglobin A1C that actually measures the amount of blood glucose attached to hemoglobin. And because hemoglobin, which is part of our red blood cells, lives, you know, our red blood cells live for like, on average, let's say three months, By testing the hemoglobin A1C, we can see what glucose has been doing in the body over a period of two to three months. So it's giving us that bigger picture look. And that's sort of the same thing that HTMA is doing. Okay. And it's why that if you have a elevated glucose level, they'll often automatically do the hemoglobin A1C to see if you're pre-diabetic or diabetic because the blood glucose by itself is not giving the the bigger picture overview. Mm -hmm. Because of with the HTMA, the way they want you to take the hair sample and the length of hair, it is giving us a snapshot of around three months Mm -hmm. on average of what was happening in the body during that window in time. So like I said earlier, HTMA is often an earlier indicator of a trend towards health problems. I guess the one thing where both blood tests and HTMA can sort of fall down a little bit is when it does come to toxic metals. Because toxic metals are a danger to the body, Mm -hmm. the body's reaction is to try and get rid of them. If it can't get rid of them, it will sequester them or pull them into the tissues of the body, whether that's the bone or the fat tissue or organs as a protective mechanism to get it out of the blood and keep the body safe. So if you get a blood test, let's say you want to test mercury, and I've had mercury tested when I went through a phase of just, I think I ate salmon three times a day, just every day. For Mm -hmm. a long time and salmon, you know, is notorious for being high in mercury. A lot of the seafood is. So I had my blood mercury tested. It came back normal. But if you get a normal reading for toxic metals on a blood test or a HDMA test, it's not that you may not have a body burden of toxic metals. Does that make sense? Because the body's pulled it into the tissues, it's not in the blood at the time that the blood was drawn. So it's not. That makes sense. 
So what could happen? So someone might do a HTMA test, for example, at the start of a health kick to get like a baseline reading of what's going on in their body. And then they go on and start to lose a lot of weight because they're implementing all these new health strategies. And then they do another HTMA three months or six months down the track. And suddenly their results are showing heavy metals. Because it's starting to come Mm. out of the body. Yeah, because Mm. as the body's breaking down fat and it's getting metabolized, everything that was stored in the fat as a protective mechanism is now being released into the blood and that can get picked up Mm. in the hair and the blood sample if it's taken. It's really important. It might be a bit off topic. This often happens with pregnancy. So if a female, let's say, isn't consuming enough calcium, the body, you know, the fetus needs, particularly towards like the third trimester, like huge amounts of calcium. So if if someone's not consuming adequate levels through their diet, the body will start to turn over or break down the maternal bone to release that calcium to the fetus. So if someone has heavy metals stored in their bones and they're pregnant, That's the last thing you want. You don't want your bones to be releasing lead into the circulation, which is then going to go through to the fetus. Mm. That's why you should never go on a detox if you're trying to conceive. You should never do a detox if you're breastfeeding because a lot of toxic substances can be released into the blood that can go through either into the fetus or through the breast milk. I bet that's something that a lot of people didn't know because I didn't. I wouldn't have thought of it. So anyone who's trying to conceive, do all your health kick detoxing three to six months out from trying to conceive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, so I guess what I thought we would do today to make it a little bit more interesting is go through a couple of case studies. Mm -hmm. So I've chosen dog case studies, but we can also pull in some of our results as well. So Glenn's actually had his done recently, but I haven't gone through his results. We haven't gone through it yet because we thought we'd guinea pig me on air. And what's fascinating before we get into the case studies is I've done a HMA like 20 years ago, back when they actually tested gold and I had some gold come up in mine. So that was interesting. So I had mine retested this year and just a lot more recently, Glenn had his retested. He just needed to grow some hair first. Ouch. (laughs) But what was fascinating, and I was surprised at first, but the more I thought about it, the more it made sense, is that Glenn and my results were completely opposite. So pretty much in every aspect and every part of the report, if Glenn was low on something. I was high. If I was low, he was high on everything. We were the opposite. And the more I thought about it, it makes sense because our sleep-wake cycle is completely different. Glenn's a complete night owl and I'm a crazy early bird. So there's aspects of the test that sort of highlight those patterns. Mm. I sleep really well, Glenn less so well. And there's parts of the test that indicate that as well. I'm not going to make a big thing of this because it's a long topic and Pat and I spoke about it on the canine paradigm a little bit the other day, but there's a book called Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker. I suggest anybody who doesn't sleep well or is intrigued about what's happening when you don't sleep well, it is revealing and terrifying what you actually do to yourself from not having proper sleep. Mm. And so now I'm trying to encourage myself to sleep better. I am a night owl. I'll never break that cycle. And it's genetic. Matthew Walker talks about that Mm. as well. Night owls are disadvantaged in the world because you're encouraged to be up early and the early bird gets the worm sort Mm. of thing. Except if you're a night owl and night owls aren't early birds and they're two different species. So Norella is an early bird and I'm a night owl. And that's just the way we're wired. We're hardwired genetically to be like that. And there's no changing it. So For me, there's no point fighting it. If I get up in the morning, I'm groggy and my head is full of fog and that's not going to change. That's always going to be the way, literally because the front of my brain is offline until later in the day. It's so true because from a child, I've always jumped out of bed at five o'clock in the morning, you know, or earlier sometimes depending on life, but never later than six. Like if I'm ever in bed later than six, I think, you know, Glenn needs to come in and see if I'm dead or not. But yeah, I've always been an early bird and I imagine you've always been a night owl. A night owl. Mm-hmm. And it's fascinating. When I was studying at uni to become a naturopath, they would always say sleep is so fundamental that that needs to be priority. So it doesn't matter what someone's coming to see you with, until their sleep is right, nothing else will fall into place and nothing else will heal and recover and repair until they get that sleep right because it affects all facets of well-being. Mm. There's some differences. I mean, Glenn and I handle stress differently and that's sort of reflected in the results. Even though we live under the same roof, our diets are quite different, which may you know, also be contributing to the results. So yeah, really fascinating. And I'll sort of highlight some areas as we go through the case studies where Glenn and I fall in relation to those. So two dog case studies. I picked two different ones. They're both really recent cases. So I haven't had the follow-ups yet. So that'll be really interesting if we can do a follow-up maybe in six months. Yeah, that'd be good see where things have gone. So the first case study 
was an adult dog with chronic skin issues. Now, this dog was a rescue dog and had only recently been obtained by its new owner. So she didn't know a lot about its background. So she came into the HTMA test just wanting to get as much insight as possible as to what might be underlying these chronic skin issues because she had no history on the dog at all. So with the, and it's going to be a bit tricky because the HTMA, it's all about graphs. So it's very picture orientated. Mm -hmm. So hopefully you can sort of follow along with what I'm saying. I might see if I can pop up even a mock example on the Facebook page so people can really get a grasp of how the results look. Although just go to my website, naturalhealthandnutrition.com.au. There is actually a download of an actual example report for Mm -hmm. dogs that you can easily access. Or better still, get one done. Get one done. All the details are on my website, which we'll go through at the end. Mm -hmm. With HTMA, you sort of go through the results in a logical order and you need to zone in or zoom in. And then at times you really need to step back and look at the overall patterns that are there as well. So with this dog, he had very elevated, like quite high elevation of both calcium and magnesium and very low phosphorus. Now, calcium and magnesium are what are referred to as sedating minerals. So they indicate that a human or an animal is operating mainly on that parasympathetic dominant state. So when we're talking about nervous systems, that's the rest and digest position. Dogs that are very high in calcium magnesium tend to be a lot more chilled, a little bit more easygoing, which was definitely the case with this dog, even as a rescue, he was quite balanced. But what can also happen if it goes too far, you know, you might see a dog that's lethargic or a dog that tires easily. And particularly like with this dog, the low phosphorus really does play in. So phosphorus is required in sufficient amounts for cellular energy production. So I don't know if people remember their chemistry classes, but, you know, the process of oxidative phosphorylation is what we need to create ATP. Now, what's ATP, Glenn? What does it stand for? ATP? Yeah, for energy, the energy of the cell, (laughs) just so you, you don't zone out on what I'm talking about. Okay, so you definitely missed your chemistry. (laughs) (laughs) Chemistry lesson. Adenosine, triphosphate. How would I know that? Really? Really? I thought thought that was common knowledge. So ATP, which is our unit of energy for cells, stands for adenosine tri, tri being three, phosphate. So, you know, there's three phosphate molecules attached to every adenosine molecule. And that is what our cells need to create energy. So if there are suboptimal levels of phosphorus in the body, which is part of that ATP molecule, then naturally energy production is going to be compromised and that may manifest as fatigue, Mm -hmm. you know, in people, for example. Mm -hmm. So definitely not something you want to see if you've got a working dog or a sporting dog that does need to be go, go, go all the time. High calcium can also indicate that it's not being utilized properly in the body. So this is where the skill of interpreting HTMA can come in because something can be high because it's being consumed in excess. So the owner might be feeding way too much bone and calcium levels are rising, although calcium, you know, is quite tightly regulated in the body. Or it could be an indication that what is being consumed, even in healthy normal amounts, isn't being taken up into the body. So if you think about calcium, if you don't have enough phosphorus, which we've just said this dog is quite low in phosphorus, if you don't have enough vitamin D, if you don't have enough manganese and vitamin K, calcium won't be as readily taken into the bone and it sort of remains in the blood a little bit longer, which can become a problem for people in terms of calcification of the arteries. So Mm -hmm. that's why they generally say for people, if you have a calcium supplement, you need vitamin D and vitamin K with it to Mm -hmm. actually get it into the bone. Also interesting for this dog, if calcium stays too high for extended periods of time, not only can it result in fatigue, but also dry skin. Nothing's definite, but that might be part of what's going on with this dog, with his chronic skin issues. And then when you zoom out, like most of this dog's minerals, like beneficial minerals were at adequate levels, but his iron was low. When I think about, you know, why would a dog's iron be low? This is a rescue dog. He's actually been on kibble his whole life. We know that kibble is low in animal protein and animal protein is what provides that natural source of highly bioavailable heme iron, Mm -hmm. whereas plants have the non-heme version, which isn't as bioavailable. And even for those kibbles that are higher in animal protein or which they've added like a synthetic iron supplement back into the food, we know that the anti-nutritional factors in grains and legumes, which most kibbles are really high in, can actually bind to minerals such as iron and make them unavailable to the body. So my recommendation for this dog in the first instance was to start transitioning to a raw food diet. 
luckily the owner was really happy to do that. And then if we keep thinking about the low iron, you know, the liver is the primary organ for regulating iron stores in the body. So low iron levels may also potentially indicate a suboptimal liver functioning. Adding in liver supporting herbs, you know, dandelion roots, really great, milk thistle, they would both be lovely additions for this dog. Mm-hmm. Another indicator from the results that his liver may need more support was because his molybdenum levels were quite low. So molybdenum is just another mineral that's really important in the body. But molybdenum, and I'm going to struggle to say that word over and over, is actually required to activate sulfur in the body. And sulfur is a really sort of essential component of a lot of important enzymes particularly those that have a fundamental role in the liver detoxification pathway. So there's a pathway called the transsulfuration pathway, and that's a key detox pathway for the body. So if you don't have enough molybdenum, you don't have enough activated sulfur, that pathway is going to be compromised. And how do you get more of that molybdenum? (laughs) I know, it's a challenge, huh? Mm. Liver is a great source. Unfortunately, legumes are also a good source, not that I promote legumes, but raw meat, organ meats, some dairy, Surprisingly, banana mm-hmm. has some molybdenum in it. Another problem with low iron is, I sort of touched on it earlier, is that it allows certain heavy metals to take hold in the body. So while all humans and animals, like we're all exposed to toxic metals to some degree, and the retention of those toxic metals is really dependent on a person or an animal's susceptibility. So that balance between protective nutrient minerals in the body in relation to the toxic heavy metals, like that's usually the determining factor on how susceptible someone is to heavy metals being like binding. Remember I said that they can, they look like similar sometimes to the beneficial minerals and they can bind to cell binding sites and being taken up by the body that way. So the more nutritionally replete your diet is or your dog's diet is, it really does minimise the chance of toxic metals taking hold in the body. Mm-hmm. It's not a fail-safe, but it does help. So this dog, he actually had elevated levels of arsenic, lead and aluminium. Again, what's interesting is that arsenic has been associated with skin conditions, particularly dermatitis. The arsenic could be playing a role in his chronic skin issues. So I guess, you know, for this dog, my main recommendations were raw food diet for sure. But just to transition slowly onto that... I think raw food diets are important for all dogs. But for this dog, I was recommending it to try and increase his iron levels. I also recommended vitamin C rich foods, again, to help boost that iron absorption. So that's your brightly colored fruits and veg, Mm -hmm. which are perfectly fine in small amounts in a dog's diet. I did recommend some liver supportive herbs. And in this case, I recommended my liver detox liquid herbal blend. Yep. Because that was really lovely. That covers digestion and liver all in the same bottle. And in terms of the heavy metal burden, like that arsenic, what else did he have? Lead and aluminium. There's actually a red marine phytoplankton supplement that's sold for humans that has clinical evidence for being beneficial in reducing heavy metals from the body. So I actually recommended that as a supplement, like that was the only supplement I recommended for this dog, that in the the liver detox, Mm -hmm. but mainly diet changes. That was that case. So it'd be really interesting to see how that's going when I follow up with them in a few Mm. months' time. So with the next case study, this time it was a dog with chronic anxiety and fear-based behaviours with a little bit of aggression in there as well. Unlike the first dog who had very high levels of calcium magnesium, which indicated that parasympathetic dominant state, this dog had really low levels of calcium magnesium, which you might guess indicates that it's operating in that sympathetic nervous system dominant state, which is that fight or flight response. What was interesting with Glenn and I is that Glenn had very low levels of calcium and magnesium, which again matches his presentation. Um, Calcium and magnesium, we said, are our sedating minerals, which are really important for sleep. Mm -hmm. You know, your quality of sleep could be better. Yep. And just that stress response. I mean, your work is so Intense. intense that I was not surprised at all to see that those two minerals were low for you. Mm. And your phosphorus was low too, which not as low as the dog that we spoke about, but it could just mean, you know, there is a a challenge with energy there and, you know, you're more likely to feel fatigued because you're running on adrenaline so much. Whereas I, who sleep like a baby, had very high levels of calcium and magnesium. That made sense in terms of Glenn and I. Mm -hmm. Back to the dog. And it made sense for this dog as well. So he's got low calcium, magnesium, like he's got low levels of those calming minerals. And this dog is stressed, it's anxious, it's hypervigilant about his surroundings. Mm-hmm. So 
that matched up well. Low calcium has also been associated in humans with increased levels of anxiety, hypersensitivity and irritability. It's also associated with increased risk of allergies. Now, this dog doesn't have an allergy issue, which is great, but if anyone's done HTMA, just know that very low calcium can be connected with allergies. And as I said, really big impact on sleep. So if you've got a dog that just doesn't settle well at night, Mm -hmm. you know, it might be worth doing a HDMA to see if calcium is sort of playing a role in that. By the sounds of it, and considering that we've done it both on ourselves, anybody who's got any concerns about their dog's behaviour, it would be something to rule out Mm. and help rule out some of the underlying causes which may be there. Ever since I've been a trainer and behaviourist involved in working with a hell of a lot of dogs and still do, one of the things that has really change the direction in where we go with training advice is dietary advice. Mm. And that's largely based on the research and study that you've been doing, but you know, other professionals in the field who have... It's really coming to the fore isn't now. It? Yeah. Mm. Even that book that I was talking about before, Matthew Walker's book, Why We Sleep, you know, like sleep and diet. And again, this comes back from a quote I was talking about Dean Mathers before. Dean told you and I way back in the day, there's three building blocks, which is the essence of life, which is good sleep, fresh water, and fresh air. Mm. So the air you breathe, the quality of water you're drinking, and the amount of sleep you're getting are the pillars of good health. Mm. Yeah, it's certainly true. And continue with the importance of calcium and magnesium in the body. So when we think about ratios, if you've got a dog that's chronically constipated or chronic diarrhea, the HMA can actually show what might be contributing to that. So you've got to think calcium is a contracting minerals. Often when calcium balance is out in the body, that's where people get cramps. Mm. Whereas magnesium is very much a relaxing mineral, let's say relative to each other, whether they're both high or both low, but relative to each other, if calcium is a lot higher, then that might indicate a predisposition to constipation because there's tightness and contraction in the body. Mm -hmm. Whereas if magnesium is a lot higher than calcium, relatively speaking, That might be someone who's prone to loose stools because of that muscle relaxation effect that magnesium has. So just really little bits like that I just find really interesting and and fascinating. Back to the case study, the low calcium magnesium really matched this dog's anxiety and fear-based behaviours. And then when I took a step back and looked at all the minerals as a whole, this dog was pretty much low across the board, which indicates basically poor nutrient absorption. It makes sense. So if you've got a human or a dog that's constantly in that sympathetic dominant state, and I know I've spoken about this before in the podcast, digestion shuts down, not Mm -hmm. completely, but blood diverts away from the gut to the extremities so we can run or fight and defend ourselves. We produce less gastric acid. We produce less digestive enzymes. It just made complete sense to me that this dog generally had low beneficial minerals across the board. Mm Mm-hmm. It was interesting though, this dog was already on a raw food diet because his digestion appears to be quite compromised. I suggested in the short term, at least that they move on to a lightly cooked, Mm -hmm. even though raw might be the gold standard to work towards. Well, I shouldn't say that. It's not about raw. It's about fresh whole foods. So whether that's raw or cooked, Mm -hmm. I definitely think there's a place for cooked food for different dogs, particularly older dogs or dogs with compromised digestive systems. In terms of toxic metals, this dog had quite high levels of mercury, arsenic, and aluminium. What's interesting about that is that mercury is notorious for reducing the absorption of beneficial nutrients, so that could be playing a role as well in those low levels across the board. Most often we get mercury, like higher levels of mercury from seafood, Mm -hmm. but you have to think with our dogs, and what's really interesting too is with my human HTMA tests, I actually generally see very low toxic metals, Again, like I mentioned earlier, that's not to say that they're not there, but they're just not in the blood. Mm-hmm. What I see for dogs across the board is usually quite high levels of toxic metals. And it makes sense. Like you you think about it, when we're outside or even inside, our homes can be just as toxic. You know, we're protected. We wear shoes, we wear clothes, we shower every day, most people. But for our dogs, everywhere you take them, every surface they're walking on, they're picking up what's on the ground onto the paws of their feet anything in the air, all that particulate matter. So if you're walking your dog down busy roads and, you know, there's particulate matter from exhaust fumes or wherever it's coming from and it's landing on their fur, that sort of stays there and, you know, they might lick it off when they lick their feet, which is why I see a lot of paw dermatitis and, Mm -hmm. you know, issues with paws 
their exposure and their constant repeated exposure is just so much higher than us. Because yeah, if we walk down a busy road, like I said, we're clothed and we're going to take our clothes off and wash them at the end of the day. Mm. We're going to have a shower. So we're just constantly removing those sources, potential sources of heavy metals, whereas our animals, they just can't do that. And a study was done quite a while ago now in about 2003, where they actually measured the chemical burden in dogs and cats. And poor cats, because they're so pedantic about cleaning themselves, their chemical burden in their body was just through the roof. And if you think about, and I think a lot of the chemicals that they found were at levels that were far exceeded the levels found in humans. So if you think about an average cat might weigh four kilos and an average human, let's say 70 kilos, and yet that four kilo cat had a body burden, like levels that were much higher than that 70 kilo person. Wow. It is. It's just, it's really confronting. And like I said, house dust can contain, like if you're in an old home particularly, and, you know, lead paint, Mm -hmm. asbestos, they're not around as much anymore, but they can still be potential sources of toxicity for our animals. It was interesting you are talking about that before. Another documentary I was watching a while ago was talking about people who jog in the country versus people who jog in the city. Mm. And the people who jog in the city because of all the pollutants in the air and the exhaust and so forth, their lung tissue was severe, like very, very fit people, but had their blood analysis and their head mineral tissue analysis was returning really violent responses based on the amount of contaminants that they were taking in. Mm. And they were horrified about it because they were eating well, doing everything well, but because they're jogging down a main road where diesel and benzene from fuels and Mm. so forth was getting thrown in in throughout the air from heavy traffics and so forth. And uh, yeah, it was quite an eye-opening experience for some of these people. And I think it's something for the most part overlooked. I mean, when when we lived in Melbourne, I went through a phase of bike riding. So I actually started riding from Bayswater to Hawthorne. Which is about an hour drive. Yeah, so I was push bike riding that, but I was on the main, like peak hour traffic, main roads the whole way. And it didn't even occur to me at the time. I was just like, I'm getting fit, riding my bike all the way to work. And now I'm like, oh, that was before I knew better. Even as a motorcyclist, I know that when I travel in large groups of people, by the time I get home, if I've been, let's say, riding between five and ten bikes, you can smell the fumes of the petrol on your face. Like mm. you're literally sitting behind bikes which are jetting out fuel or exhaust fumes, mm. but you can smell it in your helmet. I can smell it in my beard uh, and when I get home. Lucky. It's something that is always on my mind too. We'll keep moving through this case study. There's not much more to go. This dog was also low in iron, even though it was on a raw food diet. So unlike the first case where the low iron was likely due to like a low intake from the kibble. I think in this case, it was more potentially the mercury negatively impacting like the iron uptake, suboptimal liver function because this dog's molybdenum levels were low as well. But other things that can contribute to low iron, and I'm not saying that this was the case for this dog, but uh, parasites, copper deficiency, vitamin B6 deficiency, I've already said like low dietary intake. There's a lot you need to think about for each dog that's presented. Mm you know, like what's likely for this particular dog. And so, yeah, there's lots of things to think about. Because the calcium was so low for this dog, an important part of the treatment to increase calcium is B6. Vitamin B6, pyridoxine is its other name. It's got other names as well, but that's the most commonly known one. It's really important for hydrochloric acid production in the stomach. You know, we've already said hydrochloric acid is really important for breaking down food and absorbing the nutrients. So, you know, think about dogs eating raw meaty bones. If they don't have enough gastric acid, that's going to be like that whole process is going to be compromised and they may not be getting all the calcium out of that bone. And then by promoting calcium absorption, that's already going to have like a a calming effect Mm -hmm. on the dog. B6 is also necessary for adrenal functioning. So that metabolic pathway in the body that's creating adrenaline. B6 is an essential nutrient cofactor in that pathway, so it helps to support that with the dog. B6 is also really important in neurotransmitter production. Most stress and anxiety formulas will, like for humans, will have, or even for dogs, will have vitamin B6 generally in it as well. Mm-hmm. Also really important for this dog to increase zinc levels because, again, zinc's fundamental for hydrochloric acid production, so we really need to just maximise nutrient absorption as much as we can. Mm-hmm. I also recommended that for this dog, again, to increase foods rich in vitamin C to support iron absorption. So it may seem counterintuitive for this dog, but it wouldn't be a good idea to actually give an iron supplement because some people might, the first reaction, if you're low in something, 
oh, just give him a supplement if mm-hmm. he's low in iron. But iron actually antagonizes both calcium and magnesium. So what that means is that it partially blocks their uptake. So you know how I mentioned that some heavy metals can take up the binding sites of beneficial nutrients. It's the same with our beneficial minerals. So some can piggyback on their transporters and their binding sites in the body as well. So iron wouldn't be a good idea because it will actually inhibit the absorption of calcium and magnesium further, which is the last thing we want for this dog. Increasing zinc would also be really important because it plays a protective role against mercury. And this dog came back with particularly high levels of mercury. In the HTMA test, it also gives a metabolic type for dogs. So for this dog, he was a fast metabolic type. So generally speaking, an animal with a fast metabolic rate, you know, it's highly spirited, suited to athletic performance and sports. But, you know, when things are just slightly out of balance, it can become excessive. So in this case, it's like it's just gone that little bit too far and we're seeing like more of a, rather than high energy in a positive way, we're seeing that nervousness and that highly strung nature. Mm-hmm. So Randy, I've done Randy's HTMA and he comes back as a fast metabolic type and that makes sense. Like Randy's, he's switched on. All the time. Yeah. All the time. <laughs> so, but he hasn't gone over into that nervousness and highly strung nature. He's switched on, but it's not problematic in that sense. So again, to reduce that heavy metal burden with this dog, I recommended the red phytoplankton. And if anyone's interested in that, they can just message me because I only know, you can probably get it elsewhere. I only know how to get it through my practitioner only channels. And super greens, oh, for both dogs, I recommended super greens, like a blend of super greens that included chlorella Mm -hmm. because chlorella is great for binding toxic metals. Lightly cooked food, which I've already mentioned for this dog to just help with nutrient absorption across the board liver support. I did recommend a vitamin B6 supplement for this dog because I thought it was playing such a fundamental role in so many aspects. And yes, you can get B6 from food, but I just felt like in the short term, this dog really needed a boost Mm -hmm. in B6 and increasing. So rather giving a supplement in magnesium or zinc, just increasing foods that are really naturally high. And I must say most home prepared raw food diets that I see are notoriously low in zinc. So Oysters are the easiest whole food to add in Mm -hmm. to a dog's diet to really boost those zinc levels. Ground pumpkin seeds, you know, sunflower seeds are also great sources of both zinc and magnesium. So I've sort of rushed through those, but that's a snapshot of HTMA and some of the information. I mean, there's a lot of information that I haven't touched on that's in the reports. It goes into a lot of depth about ratios and what they mean. But like I said, if you're interested in this for your dog – jump onto my website, naturalhealthandnutrition.com.au. There's just pages of information explaining what it is. There's that report you can download to really see what you're going to get at the end of it. Mm-hmm. Do be aware that at this time of the year, the lab's probably shut. So feel free to contact me because I need to, if you are interested, I mean, still go on to my website and you can purchase the test because I then need to post you out a little envelope for the hair sample and some instructions. So, and then, you know, you need to take the sample, send it back to the lab. So that might take a week or two in itself Mm -hmm. to happen. And maybe by then the labs will be back up and running. But yeah, any questions, don't hesitate to reach out and just ask me about those. But I've just been fascinated with HTME. Yeah, it really is fascinating. And I think it's a good service that you're offering that you can actually help navigate people through it and explain what it is all about as part of your service as well. Yeah. And like I said, it really is just another tool in my toolkit to help shine light on what might be going on with an individual dog. Like, you know, what's really underlying that we can't see or that we're not aware of that could be contributing to the symptoms that are being shown. Just another helpful bit of information here as well is that law enforcement actually uses this on people that have been taking drugs. They cut their hair and uh, send that in to find out if they've been using illicit drugs. Substances. Substances. That's the word I was looking for. So yeah, they they do a similar process for screening people for drug use as well. That's why sometimes Mm. people will cut all their hair off. Ah, interesting. Didn't know that. It's been around for a long time. Like it goes back quite a way in history where they, I think they mainly use it for exposure to toxic metals Mm. originally. But yeah, it's certainly involved in... It's very revealing. Yes. Look, I must say, I don't have the human test kit advertised on my website, but for any humans who want it, shoot me an email and I can absolutely give you the pricing and uh, all the information you need to make that happen. Mm -hmm. And speaking of which, how do they contact you? You can jump onto my website, naturalhealthandnutrition.com.au. There's a contact page there, or you can email me directly on narelle at naturalhealthandnutrition.com.au. 
And if you don't know how to spell Narelle, hello at naturalhealthandnutrition.com.au will also get to me. Yep. There's a Facebook page, Natural Health for People and Pets. Mm-hmm. If you've got any questions that you want answered about the podcast specifically, jump on there. As we said at the beginning of the show, stay tuned for Canine Suticles, mm. 26th of Jan, 22, where all will be revealed. And the website for Canine Suticles again is? caninesuticles.com.au. How do you spell suticles? Just I for, just yeah. realised I should probably highlight that. Yeah. So canine. The word, not the canine. True. Yeah. C-A-N-I-N-E. Mm-hmm. And suticles is C-E-U-T-I-C-A-L-S. So caninesuticles, all one word, .com.au. But I'll be putting lots of information out on social media, so no doubt you will see it written and you'll know where to go. Mm. So thank you, everyone. And if you've got any burning topics that you would like me to cover, just send me an email and Mm -hmm. I will try and make that happen. Yep. Okay, that's it. Thanks, everyone. Bye. 